We just need to have conversations with our customers and our prospects too. I got more out of a five-minute conversation with this person. I learned way more about what their challenge is, what they're trying to get their clients or their customers to do. Mm -hmm. I learned more in five minutes than, than from like a five-page click here, click there survey, right? Yeah. So it's all about having that conversation. And I think the challenge for me, Paris, was like, how do I have these conversations, right? That was the missing link. I'd heard mm -hmm. people like me saying, talk to these people, dang it. Well, how? What am I going to like reach out and say hi and just bother them? Some people would do that, but I always felt bad. So the, the, the turning point there was actually inviting them on a podcast because the flip mm -hmm. is it's a gift. Like you've given me a gift by inviting me on your podcast. I'm stoked, man. I'm so excited to be here. And so that's what a podcast does for your prospect, your customer. What a great way to start a relationship with a potential future customer. Every SaaS company plays for high stakes, but what does it take to dominate the market right now? Welcome to Paris Talks Marketing, the podcast where we dive deep into the latest trends and strategies in SaaS marketing that are really working today. I'm your host, Paris, and our guests are SaaS CMOs, founders, and specialists, and we discuss one trendy topic in the industry per episode. Ready to unlock the true power of marketing strategy? In this theme, we'll explore the world of cutting-edge marketing strategies and tactics that are shaking up the SaaS industry. We'll share insights on testing new tactics and uncover the latest developments from digital landscape giants like Google, Facebook, and LinkedIn. We'll also explore how AI is revolutionizing the digital landscape and transforming marketing tactics. So grab your headphones and get ready for a marketing strategy masterclass with Paris Talks Marketing. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Paris Talks Marketing. Today, my guest is Casey Cheshire, a lifelong marketer, serial entrepreneur, and adventurer. Casey's passion for podcasting led him to founding Ringmaster's Conversational Marketing. Ringmaster helps B2B businesses launch podcasts that drive growth and revenue. He also serves as a fractional CMO to several growing B2B professional service firms. Previously, Casey founded and ran the top Salesforce Pardot marketing automation solutions partner in the world for 10 years before a successful exit in 2021. He's also a U.S. Marine Corps veteran where he served in the infantry and was deployed to some very hot climate. In his free time, Casey likes to skydive, climb mountains, and pretend to be a hungry bear for his two kids. Casey, welcome to the show. <laughs> Thanks, Paris. Yeah, it's great to be here. Same. It's great to have you. I want to steal a page from your own playbook with my opening question here because I loved it when you asked me this a few weeks back. Can you help us bust a myth in marketing that a lot of people subscribe to but really shouldn't believe anymore? Yeah, man. Stop playing games with your prospects. Stop playing games with your customers. I spent 10 plus years running a company, helping people send more and more emails and try to figure out what people were thinking. I spent years even prior to that just in the marketing trenches trying to get those clicks and get people to notice me, right? So I, my myth today is stop playing all these games. That's my, the bust, bust, right? Mm -hmm. We, we play first game. Okay. First game is notice me, right? So we're all doing this. We're all running around and we're going to go to a conference in some really cool place. And they were like waving our hands around, or maybe just sort of standing there silently at a booth that we spent way too much money for. And we're hoping that if we're calm or quiet enough or loud enough or have the cool enough, cool enough giveaway that people are going to like come over and say hi and they'll learn about us and then buy our stuff, right? 
it's 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 such a stretch, right? I yeah. think we're all a little bit delusional as marketers because everyone else is doing this, and and I'm guilty of this, right? I, I'm not saying that that uh, that you know I didn't do this too. I did. I played that game of like notice me, notice me. But then just when you finish that game and they have noticed you, there's more games you play, right? The next game is okay. Well, now that you've noticed me, can you please hop on a call with me or with someone on my team, someone in sales on my team, mm -hmm. right? And they're like, no, they don't want to get on a call with you or your team. They probably just met you. They don't really want to get on a call. So this second game is like, how can I trick you to get on a, on a call with me? Now we might throw some free coffee or socks from the, the university you went to to try yeah. to you know, entice you emotionally well, to get on. Amazon gift voucher. Yeah, a gift card. But these aren't, like, these aren't like logical reasons to get on a call. It's like, well, shoot, I'm not doing anything. And I, I would love a a hat from Patagonia. Yeah, I might as well do that. Here, I'll hop on a call in. But I'm not paying attention, right? I'm on that call. So that's the second game, and it's crazy, and it drives me bonkers, man. Once you see these games around you, I'm sorry. but Sorry, not sorry. You're, it's going to be hard not to see them and to stop playing them. Like, you just stop playing mm -hmm. these games, right? Because there's a third game, which is even worse. While I'm trying to get you to notice me and get on a call, which you don't want to do, I also want you to ignore everyone else, right? All those other people saying, notice me. No, no, no. Please don't notice them. And please don't notice anyone else also trying to get you in a call. Ignore them completely and just hop on a call with me. And then somehow you're going to buy my SaaS, right? You're going to buy my tech, dot, 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 something in there. I'm going to badger you until it happens, right? This is what we do in marketing. It sounds silly, but if you boil it down, if you get rid of all the tech talk and all the really cool jargon, we're playing these ridiculous games. And I did this for like 10 years. And then on a whim, I started a podcast, right? I just wanted content. I wasn't even thinking about the kind of conversations I was going to have. I just thought, oh, I'll get good leader, thought leadership content, you know, fuel the machine, right? I wasn't even thinking mm -hmm. about anything other than let's fuel this marketing machine, this marketing automation monster, right? Let's give it more content to, uh, to get on landing pages, on, on email, nurture campaigns. Right. But this amazing thing happened. I started talking to people who were actually ideal customers. And lo and behold, I learned a bunch of things. I learned what keeps them up at night. I learned what their problems they're really trying to solve are. I learned where exactly does the solution that I was marketing fit into that whole realm? Is it the most critical thing? Is it not? Mm -hmm. Right. I started, I realized they're people and they have families just like me. And all mm -hmm. this time I had been behind the tech. Right. I think sometimes it, we're in marketing because if we were really people, people, we would be in sales, right? But we're kind of like sort of people person. I like the way you put right? that. Yeah. yeah. So we're not really, you know, we're not in sales for a reason. So we, but all this tech, you can hide behind it. And instead of thinking about the face and the name, we're thinking about the ones and the zeros. I don't care if you're in HubSpot or Salesforce, we get so wrapped up in the reports. How sexy can these reports get that we forget they're real people? So for me, this transition happened as I just started a podcast. I thought, what, what could possibly happen? Nothing bad, right? I'll just get good content. No, I got way more than that. I actually learned my buyers. I understand their pain. And guess what comes from that? I suddenly had a vision for how to help them again. I had gotten so sort of in my own little echo chamber. And we get mm -hmm. this too. If you're in like, you're going to Dreamforce every year or you're going to you know, HubSpot or Marketo, their conferences, yeah. you're going to Sass marketing Doc, tech where I just came from last week. We were in our little thought bubbles. So to break out of that, mm -hmm. all you got to do is talk to your customers. 
So my myth today is stop playing games and just go and talk to your customers. And I've never found a better way than just launching a podcast and interviewing them on it. Yeah. And I suppose, is that what led you away from the, the Salesforce part out world and then into starting Ringmaster? Yeah. Yeah. You know, imagine mm -hmm. doing something. And I love marketing automation. I would talk about it. I would do like four webinars a month, right? I just, I just love teaching people about it. It's so fun and exciting, but there are always these challenges. And I think as marketers, we have this secret unspoken worry that we're not sure if we're actually doing anything. I think that's what's going on behind the scenes. Yeah. And, and I think the entire organization we work for is probably more openly asking that question. What are you doing I think it's here? a special form of imposter syndrome just for marketers, man. Yeah. But I think sometimes it's right. I think sometimes yeah. we aren't doing anything. So, you know, we toot our own horns a lot and, oh, sales is just delusional, but maybe we aren't actually doing anything. And you don't really know that if you keep staring at numbers because we all know those numbers can be crazy. So, yeah, it just it, spending so much time doing that and then to realize I got more out of a five-minute conversation with this person. I learned way more about what their challenge is, what they're trying to get their clients or their customers to do. Mm -hmm. I learned more in five minutes than, than from like, a five page, you know, click here, click there survey, right? Yeah. So it's all about having that conversation. We just need to have conversations with our customers and our prospects too. And I think the challenge for me, Paris, was like, how do I have these conversations, right? That was the missing link. I'd heard mm -hmm. people like me talking before saying, talk to these people, dang it. Well, how? What am I going to like reach out and say hi and just bother them? Some people would do that, but I always felt bad. Yeah, I could get a case study from you, but if you're a prospect, what? I'm just going to ask you things and you're going to just volunteer your time? No. So the, the, the turning point there was actually inviting them on a podcast because the flip mm -hmm. is it's a gift. Like you've given me a gift by inviting me on your podcast. I'm stoked, man. I'm so excited to be here. I'm honored to be here. You're giving me the gift of your time and attention and, and you're, you're sharing your audience with me, your listeners. And so I feel gracious and I feel so grateful for being on this show. And so that's what a podcast does for your prospect, your customer. You invite them on a show. They're not going to say no, like a sales call. They're going to say, wow, yes. Are you sure you want me on it? Like this, this sounds great. Now, what a great way to start a relationship with a potential future customer. Yeah. And so you, you're working now with Ringmaster. You're helping brands to, to launch podcasts for the first time, right? And create brands. Does that also have to do with creating a personal brand from the host of that show that is connected with the company brand? It's a good question. You know, you don't have to create a personal brand for the host, but you do typically create a new brand for the show. And mm -hmm. the show shouldn't really be called like my company's podcast, right? Now, hanging out with Paris and talking marketing, I think it's fantastic, right? Oh, hardcore marketing. It was so great having you on that show. Right, these are brands unto themselves. They might they might tie into our our existing brands or our companies, the SaaS offerings that we have. But more importantly, the show should be focused on your listener. The show should be focused on your buyer. Right. So if you sell marketing software, marketing technology, make it a marketing leadership show. It, you know, sometimes we, we try to make it about ourselves and about what we're specialists in. But we want to make it about what our what our customers are specialists in. So. There's a lot of thought that goes into what do I, what do I create around this brand and, and you know, what does it look like? What does the album artwork look like? Those kind of things that really express what we wanted to say. But the number one goal of all of that is to get your guests to come on the show. 
If it looks mm-hmm. silly, if it looks janky, it looks like you spent $3 on, you know, it's not even fiver. It's like three-er, right? You didn't, you didn't even spend the $5. If it looks like you didn't really put time and attention into it, they're probably not going to want to join because it might risk something on their career. But if it looks awesome and, and they're honored to be on it, wow, yeah, I'd love to be on that. Thank you. You mean uh, the customers, get your customers on as guests, right? Yeah. Customers, prospects, prospects. customers partners, mm-hmm. referrals, yeah. all the people you want to talk to. Yeah. One of the, one of the things that I encounter both personally with this show and, and uh, talking to other podcasters is the challenge of growing an audience. We've been at this now for, for over two years, but we haven't, we haven't amassed a huge audience yet. Still waiting for the breakout, the breakout moment. But why shouldn't a podcast show or host get discouraged if the audience isn't getting huge over time? Yeah, a couple things there, right? One, you probably need an executive producer, right? Everyone that has a podcast has a producer. They're producing the show. But a lot of times when you're in the weeds or if you're producing it yourself, right, you're producing the show. You need someone to take a step back who's been a producer, but who's really thinking like a marketer, thinking about how can we grow this show. So oftentimes what mm-hmm. I'm doing with podcasts is acting as an executive producer saying, okay, what do we need to change? Maybe there's some certain things we can change that might help with the audience growth, might help with these other things, some low hanging fruit there, right? So sometimes you just need a third opinion to look in the situation and go, what's going on here? But what I will say as a second point to that is it's really challenging when the number one goal is listeners. That's really challenging. That's where pod fading comes from, right? Pod fading is this term where you start a podcast and three to 12 episodes later, you stop a podcast. And there's millions and millions of them that have done this. Thankfully, yours hasn't. Thankfully, mine hasn't. But it's hard because people get a couple shows in. They had a good time. But if the metric they're looking at responding, you know, Mm -hmm. and it doesn't right away for anyone, really, unless you brought an audience, right? I think it was Tim Mm -hmm. Ferriss or Joe Rogan. Someone asked you, what's the number one ingredient to having a successful podcast? And he was like, number one, be famous, right? If you you already have some fame, you come into the situation. Of course, it's easy. No, I, I think what's interesting is listeners should not be your primary goal, which is funny if you're listening to this because then you're thinking, what? But it's true, right? There should be some other goals other than just listener numbers. It, it borders on a vanity metric where you're like, well, what are you going to do with that? You got 30,000 more listens. You got four more listens. What are you going to do with that, right? Mm-hmm. And at some point, maybe you get a sponsorship. I understand, but but generally speaking, it's not not very actionable. So the kind of podcasting that I do, I call it connection casting. So connection casting is all about creating a connection with your guest. It's not about your listeners. It's not about the sponsors, the company that's paying you to do this show. It's literally get rid of everything else and just focus on my guests. Are they crushing it? Do they feel like they had a chance to get that stuff out that they've been holding in for a long time? Have we created a relationship? Have we created trust, right? Connection casting, the, the reward, the result, the ROI, it's all about the guest. To what we were talking about earlier, if that guest is someone who could partner with you and you know send referrals your way or put in a good word for you in a community or I don't know, just make your day happier because they're really fun. Uh, but all these things, mm-hmm. right? If you think about, man, if I just get a connection, if I just get a relationship that I never had before with someone who maybe I wouldn't even get the time of day with, right? Either they're just this crazy executive at American Express who I would just never dream of having on or an author. Or, you know, like for me, it was uh, Rand Fishkin, a couple 
couple of weeks ago, had a chance to interview him. He was like my, I say childhood marketing hero, but mm -hmm. I probably wasn't a child when I was starting marketing. But you know what I'm saying? Like I've, I've been yeah. listening to oh, his he's, thought He's a legend, especially in the real world. Right? Yeah. So I had a chance to interview him. I thought that's just the coolest thing, right? Now you can intersperse those in there, but the rest of these should be, you know, can this person maybe buy from me? Are they an ideal customer? And the crazy thing is when you're playing those games, you can't really target that well. You can decide, should I go to this conference or shouldn't I? But who they get there is not really up to you. It's up to the conference to who they get there. So mm -hmm. yeah, you're rolling the dice all the time. But with a podcast invite, instead of being like a mass marketing type thing, it's a very individualized thing. Does this particular person at this particular organization, are they a good decision maker? Are they the right decision maker? And is this company the absolute best target to work with me? Like, can yeah. I help them? Do they need me? Can I help them? You can really zero in on that. And if your ROI in your podcast is, well, you know what? I had four amazing hour-long conversations with some real potentials. And afterward, a couple of them took me up on my demo. And I got to tell you, podcasting is amazing for converting to demos. If you're, mm -hmm. if you're anyone involved in SaaS and marketing, podcasts, you know, professional sale services, there, there's, some, there's some trickier things to do. If you have a demo, man, do we see huge conversion rates from great podcasts, yeah, I'd love to see that demo. Sometimes a demo mm -hmm. even happens right after the recording is done. You hit end recording. I was like, oh yeah, let me pull this thing up real quick. And they're like, yeah, 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 I want to see that. I want to see that. What does that look like, right? Why? Because you, you pick the exact right person who actually needs your stuff and they want to see it. They're curious. And so if your targeting is really hardcore, you don't even have to push hard on the sales side. They just want to know the information. Yeah. I have to say that my, I did a little bit of an experiment at SaaS Talk last, last week and I probably had about, 19, I think I had exactly 19 scheduled one-on-one -on -one meetings. And then I probably had another 20 or so ad hoc wow. where you stroll up to a booth or maybe you're um, at the bar at the event after, after the show and you, you strike up conversations. And so far, my success rate from I, certain people I invited on to the podcast as my follow-up and other people I invited on to a discovery call, which is kind of my like sales like route. That. But my conversion rate to, to the podcast is like, five times higher. I think I got four or five bookings from that. So it's well over 50% versus maybe I shouldn't say, but a much lower percent on the discovery call acceptance or conversion rate so far, even though it was only, it's only been a few days. And that, that also tells me a lot too, which is that people having just met me, maybe found me kind of interesting in what I had to say at the conference. But when you're at a conference, it all washes over you and probably you, you get out of a conference and you've met people and it's, it's all a blur. So when somebody follows up, hey, I, we did meet, maybe remember my face. We talked about this. I've got this show. I'd love to have you on because I want to learn more about whatever. Um, that and like, and Give them a gift of much. your time and attention. Mm -hmm. it, Zig Ziglar has this cool quote. I love this. And he says, this is like this ancient book writer, yeah. philosophical guy, and all about relationships and connections and friends. And, and he wrote that if people like you, they'll listen to you. And if people mm -hmm. trust you, they'll buy from you. Right. So I get the sense that at that conference, people had enough time to like you. They're like, oh, cool. Yeah, I met this guy. He's Paris. But you're right. There's like a hundred other people. So they got to, so you're reminding them, hey, let's hop on this pod and remind you how much fun we had in person or even that brief little moment where I think we could hit it off. Right. Mm -hmm. But nothing like a podcast that then help with that second half, which is how do we get people to trust us? That's the big problem in sales, right? Is okay, who can I trust? We all know sales is just moving you down the pipeline. So how can I trust someone? And one of the key ingredients, and, 
and and you'll you'll learn this from even like relationship coaching is to say what you're going to do and then actually do it and nothing like a podcast for creating that kind of environment and one of the key ingredients for that is having a little bit of a prep call where you tell people up front hey i'm you know this is who i i am remember me and we had that really, we hit it off mm-hmm. and you're starting a little bit of a trust here right yeah well how do you reach out when um this is something that we we've, we've tested lots of different things but when you do reach out after you've got that ideal list, what is, the, what is the best way to get somebody to who doesn't know you or you haven't met to come on your show? How do you, how do you pitch? Well, you basically, I wrote a book on marketing automation. It's called Marketing Automation Unleashed. And it's great if you want to do email nurturing, but it is not the idea if you want to get a podcast guest, right? So take my book that I wrote on nurturing and use that for your email campaigns. But when it comes to podcasting, you got to remember it's a one-to-one initiative, right? And we'll talk about later, it's very scalable, but this is not an automation. So the worst thing you could do is take that automation bulk mentality to podcast invites. I know, let me go grab one of those apps on LinkedIn that just auto invites 3,000 people and I pay lots of money and like, let me send them a message. Oh, and I could cut out a step by putting a link in that invite here please be on my podcast, click this link and fill out this Calendly form that automatically books it on my calendar and automatically discovers things about you so I can ask you about those on the show, right? That is completely not the right way to do it. I've received invites like that where you just feel like yeah, you're in- non-personalized. A machine, right? They're not even not personalized. You could just feel the marketing. You could feel, mm-hmm. and w- what's crazy is it's like a fake importance. Like if you're inviting someone to, onto a podcast, it's either a really cool thing or it's a complete scam, right? And, and so the people that would try to trick you and, and have you click on links and that kind of thing, it goes against everything we've been talking about. Those personal relationships, getting out in front, getting FaceTime with people, a little prep call. Oh no, it's another half an hour. It's another 15 minutes. Yeah, it's another 15 minutes with my ideal customer, talking to them, learning from them, building relationship and rapport and all these things. Yeah, do that. And so what I like to do is nothing automated. I love to reach out to someone. LinkedIn's a great platform for that and send them a quick invite, even a connection request with a note and say, Hey, I would love to talk with you about, you know, XYZ strategy or my marketing podcast. Mm-hmm. You know, we like, it's a conversational. We have a lot of fun. We do a quick prep call, right? What was missing from that? There was no link. I don't even put a call to action. Why? A call to action just goes, I'm a marketing message, right? You don't link to the podcast uh, like on nope. Apple or? Nope. Mm-hmm. I don't even tell them what it's called. I'm just like, hey, huh. I want you to be on my podcast. We talk marketing. And I want to talk particularly. Now, if you, like, I've done this before. I see someone's awesome blog post or they just totally spit fire on LinkedIn. And I'm like, whoa. Mm-hmm. And so I'll send them a note saying like, what you just said was amazing. Can you please share that with me and, and my listeners on my podcast? That would be awesome, right? Send. Let them connect. and. Remember, what we're competing with is all that crappy, all the games that people are playing saying, notice me. So the typical reaction is, here's this nine paragraph initial message on LinkedIn with an automated follow-up message and an automated follow-up and a link and all this crap, right? So just like an email to get away from that, you got to look different, got to be different. And so Mm -hmm. it's a personalized message from Casey. I'm not capitalizing everything. You know, I'm not even thrown in the brands. I'm just saying, hey, I'm a person, you're a person. I love the chat, love to honor you and learn from you on the show. Nice. 
I like that approach, yeah. Because I would say, getting back to this ROI of podcasting, I think for me, it's my own learning and my insp- and my own inspiration too. That that is what gives me the ROI. I think there's also that that spark that when I wrap up a great show, gives me a jolt of energy that you know maybe I didn't yeah. have yet that day. And that inspiration is it, it keeps me going. It's it's kind of fuel, fuels me in a, in a sense. And do you ever find yourself writing down to dos? Like I'll be taking notes as I'm learning from a guest. Even our conversation the other day. You know, I'm I'm learning from you. Blah blah blah. And then my brain goes, Oh yeah. We should do X, Y, and so on the right-hand side, I have little squares with to-dos of things I want to do after this podcast. You're right. It's just it's inspiration. Like, yeah, I, I actually should do that. And I should do that. You know, And so, yeah, I, I, I hear you, man. It's very inspirational. Yeah. Now, a quick word from our sponsor. The Paris Talks Marketing Show is affiliated with Hop Online, a performance marketing agency focused on high-growth SaaS and other recurring revenue-based companies. If you like the flow of this conversation, you may want to consider jumping on a discovery call with someone at Hop Online. A discovery call is similar to my podcast interviews in a lot of ways. We'll get to know your business goals, competitive landscape, and marketing needs. And you'll almost certainly come away with some new ideas for how to accelerate your customer and revenue growth. If you're interested, go to hop.online, that's hop, H-O-P, dot online, and book a discovery call with one of our strategists today. Now, back to the episode. Hey, how many are you doing per month or per week? How many shows are you putting out? I think really at a minimum, you want to go weekly. Weekly show. You need some kind of cadence because I take this back to even my own behaviors, right? So sometimes my own behaviors can help inform what I would either want to listen to or how I'd want to like operate that podcast. Doesn't mean I'm not every buyer persona, right? But what I like to say is like create a podcast that you would want to listen to yourself. You know, weekly is a great way to start. You can scale it though. You can go twice a week, three times a week, more. And just think, you're just chatting with that many more potential customers and your competitors are probably chatting with zero of them. Yeah. In general, Casey, what what excites you most about the future in professionally or personally, anything? I love the monopoly on people's eyes and ears is very quickly eroding, right? It's no longer, at least in the US, it was, you know, they... ABC, CBS, NBC, there's certain channels you watched and you paid extra for other goofy channels. And it's not really about the channel, like all those biggies anymore. And people mm-hmm. got their news from three places. So just as news has gotten decentralized, entertainment and, and listening and, and eyes and learning and all of this is getting decentralized to the point where there are all these micro creators that are, I mean, we've had YouTube creators for a long time. But what I think excites me the most is the fact that creatorship is becoming marketing ship, right? Like marketing is creating. And that's, I think, what we always wanted it to be when we got into marketing in the first place was to create, be creative, a little bit analytical and track things as well. But we didn't get into it to, to write scripts and series of ongoing emails. We got in it to connect with people and learn and share and create amazing things. And so I, I see it shifting back to that. And the other thing that excites me is it doesn't require insane amounts of tech and prep and gear, right? I like that people are getting more authentic. You don't need to be in a studio. You don't need to be in a studio. You can be recording podcasts and conversations in your office. Yes, you want to get a a good mic, but good mic is like $60 US. It's not 
400. It's not the, mm-hmm. you don't need that. You don't need the crazy camera. You can just do it right from where you're at. So not only is marketing going toward creatorship, but it's also now at a position where we can actually grasp it. Yeah. I was speaking with someone just this morning about what we, we started on the, on the topic of SEO and how SEO is going to change with generative AI and the fact that this is no longer really a competitive advantage when everybody's going to be pushing out AI produced content. And so then I asked them, so then, then what, if, are you just going to do paid and just get all your traffic and conversions from paid media? How are you, you still need to build a brand. And if you're not going to do that with great content that you're going to publish on your website, then what else? And he, he said, well, I guess we need to try to become a little mini media of our own and, and we, need to, we need to develop some personality and we need to not only educate people, but we need to entertain them. And maybe it's even a little bit more important that we entertain them. Yeah. And, and if they get a little bit of education, great, but they're going to come for the entertainment more than the education because what we offer, it's, it's in a crowded SaaS category and the stuff that they would talk about has been talked about ad nauseum. And they don't have so much of an extremely unique perspective to bring to that conversation. But they've got a great product. They do a great job. And so we started brainstorming, all right, well, what, what would that look like? How would you entertain people? How would you bring in this guy in particular had a real interest in sports psychology and building winning teams on the sports fields and how that might intersect with building a winning team in marketing. And then that brainstorm led us to some, some concepts for some sort of a show or a podcast. And what do you think? Do you think it's even possible for all brands to, to try to become media? I mean, is there enough eyeballs and, and ears out there to consume all that? Yes, definitely. They should all become media brands. Everyone, every company, that's where we're going. And if you're not, mm-hmm. you're just out. No, you don't get shopped. You don't get looked at. Even Rand Fishkin said SEO is, is not going to be doing it, right? It's, it's the guy who did SEO and taught us how to do it for... 20 how many years is oh, saying yeah. that's not it right so what do you do direct mail now and some people are trying it again because what else can you possibly do i don't know create a media brand and connect with your customers in it right so it's a two-part thing it's not just creating content but creating content where you're connecting with your audience as well right so you know imagine a tv show where you got a chance to chat with the host well the I'd be pretty interested in And every time you see that show in the future, you're like, well, I was on that show. It was really cool, right? I can't mm-hmm. even see future episodes of this podcast come out because I'm like, I was on that. I remember what that was like. That was really cool. And now I want to go check this one out again. So you're involving your listeners. You're involving your audience in it. But to your second question, are there enough eyes and ears out there? I would say it doesn't matter, right? Because you don't want all the eyes and ears. Joe Rogan doesn't even want them either, but he has them, right? But he mm-hmm. got them by not even caring about getting them. But a lot of people that care and they're, they're trying to get more eyes and ears watching, it's tough because there's a lot of people out there doing it and they're, you know, Mr. Beast is pretty good at what he does. So let's not try to compete with him, right? You're not trying to compete with Mr. Beast and Joe Rogan. You don't want everyone listening to your show, right? Like, do you, and even you, Paris, like, do you, do you want like people in finance and people in, I don't know waste reclamation and mining listening to your show if they have nothing to do with marketing? Well, you can if you want to. You're not going to kick mm-hmm. them out. But mm-hmm. if they find it boring, is that okay? Yeah, it's okay. It's not for them, right? Mm-hmm. So I think in the past, we had to have shows that appealed to everyone. You don't anymore. Netflix is proving that with all sorts of wacky shows that just mm-hmm. a few people want to see, but a few people across millions is awesome. So you don't want every right. eyeball. You don't want every year. You want 
your customers' eyes and ears. Yeah, good point. You know what's crazy? I say this, but like half the people listening, not your half, but you know what? Everyone listening is going to understand it. But on other podcasts, if I've been on and I say that, no one, no one hears that. They go, oh, yeah, that makes total sense. Cool. I'm going to name my podcast. Everybody on the planet Earth should listen, right? It's mm -hmm. like, did you not hear me? So, so one of the trends to really pay attention to is micro segmentation, right? We all know about segmentation. We're all marketers here, but micro segmentation. Yeah. Don't try to get everyone listening. But what would happen if you got, let's say you're, you know, you got 10,000 target accounts and, you know, 25% of them listened to your podcast and then told the rest about it. And like, what would that even feel like when you, and I'll tell you what it feels like when you go to a trade show, people are coming up to you and going, Hey, I heard your podcast. Exciting. Hey, can we get our VP on there? And you're suddenly like, well, you're not anyone famous, but suddenly at that conference, you are at that, that micro segment. Those people know you and they know you really well because they've listened to you for hundreds of hours, right? The people listening to this, they know me a little bit. Maybe they like me. Maybe they're, maybe I'm driving them crazy, but they know you because they've heard you and they've heard you ask questions of all kinds of guests. So they feel like they really know you. So when they come up to you, they, they have like a one-sided, you know, like and trust that they haven't even fully developed with you yet, but that's a great place to start. Hey, you already like and trust me? Cool. I'd like to learn about you so I can like you back, trust mm -hmm. you back. Yeah. So Casey, I'm, I'm going to pull another play out of your playbook with this question, but I, again, I like it so much. I've got to ask, and you probably know what's coming. What advice would you give to your college graduating self around to say 21 years old, knowing what you know now? Yeah, really good question. And what I've really, I've, you know, had a chance to ask this question a lot and always makes you think like, what would you answer? And, and so my answer to this one is, is to, Hey, go look for that intersection where your passion and your expertise, and even if you don't have an expertise, follow that passion, right? Because I think early on in school and other places, we're taught to take every subject, right? And, and learn everything about everything. And again, you know, generalize. And some of that's good. You should know a little about world history and that kind of, okay, fair. But, you know, if my passion isn't math, maybe I shouldn't take eight classes deep in math, right? And so, or be stuck in a major that was math. And so when you get out in the, in the world and you're working in jobs, you know, where are your passions? And it took me a while to realize, oh, there's a passion here. And then, oh my gosh, a whole company around marketing automation and part it just sort of sprouted up. And it, it felt like overnight, but really is because I'd been passionate about a topic for a long time and I wouldn't mm -hmm. shut up about it. So what's that topic where if someone asked you about it at a party, you would get borderline annoying, but really excited and animated talking about that thing. That's probably the thing you should be working at. That's mm -hmm. probably the thing. And so that's what I would tell myself is, what are those stories that you're telling right now at parties or if you know your parents ask what's up and you want to tell them about things? What are those things that strike your interest and then just go all in on those things? Cool. We discovered, I think, in one of our earlier chats that we have a common interest in longevity, which is, it is becoming a popular subject. And I think everybody that is into that and doing any practicing longevity has their own routines. I'd like to hear a little bit from you about this. What, what's your approach to longevity? What, what kind of a either daily or regular routines do you have to be like what we all in this field hope for, which is to, to live to 100 or a little beyond if we're lucky? What do you do? You know, I will confess that I am not Andrew Huberman on, on this topic, but I love listening to interviews on podcasts and YouTube about this topic, right? And that's, 
you know, where we're both students of this and not, not necessarily mm-hmm. masters. So I'll just sort of answer descriptively, not prescriptively, right? Because I, I don't know what to tell you, but I know some of the things that I've been experiencing. Yeah, I should, I should also qualify that most likely neither of us are, are really uh, qualified to give any advice here. That's a different different type of show. We're, we're, we're not Andrew Huberman here, uh, but that, well, that guy knows his you know, stuff. Two things come to mind. One is, you know, there's that old story. Yeah, maybe it's been heard, maybe it's not been heard about goldfish. I don't know if you heard about this, where goldfish essentially mm-hmm. will grow to a, a ratio size of the container they're in. So mm-hmm. if they're in a bigger container, they'll grow larger. And if they're a little container, okay. they'll stay little. Mm-hmm. And I didn't know this for a long time. And, and so you start hearing it every now and then in podcasts and stories. But if you give a goldfish a larger container, they're going to grow to become a larger fish. And so they're, but they're, they're very much limited by their surroundings, right? And so I think about that a lot when it comes to longevity. And I, I think the first limiter is even just the idea of when you go. And there's a lot of people like Dan Sullivan even talking about Put a number out there, but make it a big one. Because what ends up happening is whatever number you have in mind is usually what ends up happening, right? And, and so there's mm-hmm. classic conversations with doctors where if a doctor tells you this is the worst, this is terrible. If a doctor tells you you have six months and you believe them, that will fulfill itself. Like mm-hmm. that's how much time you have left. But if they tell you longer, oftentimes you'll live longer. Or if you, you just flatly reject their thought on that, a lot of survivors of different things will mm-hmm. blow past that amount because they just flatly reject that amount. But in my mind, it's like if I were to limit myself. So I like to just put the number out there like 120. Now, I always. That's a number you know, I have in my head, too, which is. Yeah, mm-hmm. 105. Give myself the larger goldfish bowl, right? And, and thinking about that. And then, then the second thing tying to environment is just literally environment. So I'm, I'm often trying to get out uh, hiking in the summer and the spring and skiing in the winter. I just intentionally decided was like, I want to make winter my season, right? I don't want to hide anymore in the winter time. And I had skied as a, as a, as a kid. And so I kind of had a little foundation there, but I thought, let me just go pick this thing up and see if I can do it. And you can, it's like riding a bike. Now I'm looking forward to snow, right? I can't wait. So I think there's something to do environment, getting outside, being aware of when you're around bad things. Are you around chemicals and exhaust and all this stuff. Can you get fresh air? Can you get out in, in the wilderness? There's also been studies on being around water. So, you know, hiking is one thing, but hiking over stream, mm-hmm. can you be around water as often as you can is, is another thing I think about. But I, I will also confess, I have not figured out, and I saw one today, this morning, this guy, he breaks the ice on an outdoor bathtub, mm-hmm. measures the water. He says like negative seven degrees, this and seven degrees Fahrenheit, whatever it was. It was really cold, right? And then he hops in, doesn't make a sound, stares at you and he says some like motivational thing. And you're like, damn, I mean, I would be wincing. I'd be going like, ah, God, but no, he just gets right in there. So I, I have not got to that point. And, and I, I do wonder about the cold shower. I mean, I, I've heard all the studies on it, but mm-hmm. man, in the morning, sometimes I just want to get a little, little love. But- so I'm, I'm kind of on the balance with, you know, do, do I, freeze, freeze myself in the morning in a shower or not. Um, I've heard so many great benefits, but I don't know. What do you, where are you at with that? Do you do those? I, I do them. Yeah. I, I do the cold shower right at the end. I I've gotten used to it. Here. It's still unpleasant though, but yeah. Okay. It, it gives me a ton of energy and I get through it. It's, I usually sit under for like about two minutes or so. And, and believe me, when that hits this ball dome up here, oh man, I feel it. Yeah. But that's usually Almost every day. And 
It certainly shocks the system. And I think one of the core principles of longevity is to do things that just make you uncomfortable and that kind of trick your body to go into a quasi-survival mode for yeah. a brief moment where, oh shit, this is freezing cold water or, um, or maybe you, you, know, you skip a meal and you, your body starts to think, oh no, when is the next meal coming? I better start conserving these resources and cleaning up, cleaning up stuff. Totally, man. Yes. Awesome. Well, Casey, I think we could go on for hours here. Uh, Good, man. It's been a lot of fun. What do you think? Marathon? Marathon episode? To yeah, LinkedIn kick this, this is already This is already um, probably one of the longest that I've done. But let me give you a chance. We, um, you've got a lot of cool stuff in the works, but people that want to reach out to you, where's the best place to connect and find you? Totally. It really, it's Casey at ringmaster.com. Shoot me an email. Mm -hmm. Connect with me. Go to ringmaster.com. Check out the different shows we create. And they're all custom. Now that you're sort of in on the thing, they're all custom to who are they trying to chat with? Who are the ideal guests for those shows? So what I would say is if you have a podcast, you need an executive producer. I'm happy to get on a call with you for half an hour, chat with you about what I'm seeing. There might be some low-hanging fruit. There might be some growth that maybe you've already done the hard work and you just need a couple other things to, to happen, maybe a slight tweak to the show. And now it's growing as well as really getting what you need from the guests. So I'm happy to chat with you. We also do a 10-point growth check as an executive producer on your pod of like, oh, did you know you're, oh man, if you just got a couple more reviews, you'd hit that threshold. Apple really sending you the charts, Spotify sending you the charts, right? So maybe there's a couple low-hanging fruit things that your show could use. And so we're happy to either, you know, I could have on a call or do this podcast audit for you. If you don't have a podcast, you'll also need an executive producer. And so I'm happy to, we do this brainstorm session. This is fun. We sit down with the team, all of our creatives, and we learn about who your customer is and, and what they mean to you and what kind of sales process you have. And then we come up with some ideas of what your podcast could look like and, and what kind of guests you could have on there, what kind of questions you could ask them. You don't even need to work with us necessarily as, as your producers or executive producers, but we just want to get the juices flowing and get you thinking about that. Don't forget to say where you heard about this from you know give paris some roi credit right let Thanks. them know let me know where uh you first heard me but yeah i'd love to help awesome well casey this has been a blast i had a blast on your show and, and this was also a lot of fun can't wait to get this published and thanks for spending the time with me today i really really enjoyed it absolutely paris honors all mine i appreciate your time your attention this is a gift thank you great thank you too another great episode in the books hope you enjoyed it if you want to get notified when future episodes drop, be sure to subscribe to Paris Talks Marketing on your favorite podcast player. And to learn more about our growth marketing agency, visit hop.online. That's hop, H-O-P dot online. Have a great day.